All right, Matthew chapter 7, we're going to cover one verse. If you're a guest with us, we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount over the last few months. It's been a wonderful study. Jesus, of course, of course preaching this most famous sermon, but it's not just a famous sermon. It's, it's the, the Word of God. It's, it's the heart of Christ for His followers, for believers then and now. So Matthew 7 verse 12 is where we'll land today and spend our time. And this is God's word. Jesus says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Jesus, what a, a small sentence relatively. And yet, what a large invitation this is. Lord, we believe that this command that's given to us, this invitation, uh, springs from your heart for your people. Something that not only would be for our good toward one another, but would literally change the world as your gospel went throughout the earth and transformed selfish people like us to think about and care about others. Jesus, I pray that you would lead us through this verse, that we would change. Holy Spirit, we invite you here to open up our eyes, to, to bring sweet conviction that happens when you're removing things that don't please you from our lives. Jesus, we pray that, that our eyes would be on you, that you would help us. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. So the title of this sermon is The Golden Rule because we've come to the golden rule. And I want to begin by asking you kind of a personal question. And it's this, how do you treat people? I wonder, how do you treat people? What kind of a person are you? How, how do people experience you? Actually, how do all people experience you? How do you treat all people? Is it, is it the, the same for all or do you act well towards some or most, but then honestly are just, just awful and nasty toward others? I start this way because this indeed is, is where Jesus goes uh, this morning in the Sermon on the Mount. We have come to a most comprehensive command and a most powerful invitation that, of course, we know as the golden rule. And it's funny how this verse is pretty well known around the world and, and used by uh, most major religions in some form or another. And it's interesting how this sentence is abstracted out. It's, it kind of becomes this, this one-liner. And certainly the, the one-liner that is the golden rule becomes this pithy ethic for life and the pursuit of being a good person. And it certainly is a one-liner that stands on its own, but it doesn't come to us on its own. The golden rule is a part of a sermon, and it's actually in a significant place because it's, it's really the closing sentence in the main body of Jesus' sermon. Where we're going to go next is, is to the end and these choices that we all make as we respond to Jesus and his word. So it's an important concluding statement 
that has everything that's come before to do with it. So what I'd like to do is I just want to ask three questions that will guide us through this verse this morning. I just want to ask what and how and why. And I want to begin with what. What exactly does Jesus command and invite us into? And what it is, is he, he commands and invites us into an all-of-life paradigm regarding our interaction with people in every situation and in every area of our lives. That's the first part of the what, this all-of-life in every interaction, in every relationship of your life. Jesus issues this command. And we find that, that all of life component in the word whatever. Let me put the verse up for you again. Jesus says, so whatever, you see it there? Whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them. Actually, in the original, there are three words here. It's not just one word. Our translators put whatever and it's right. But there are actually three words. Roughly translating all three, Jesus is saying, so in every whatever all things, in every whatever all things that you wish others would do to you, do also to them. In other words, there is never a setting there is never a situation, there is never a moment of interaction with another human that as the people of God in the kingdom of Christ, we do not pull this invitation to mind. That's what Jesus is saying. And I wonder if you could just let that sink in for a moment. I know it's, it's difficult for me often to remember what I did yesterday, right? The, the days kind of blur together. But I wonder if you, if you could do a little work with me this morning. And think about this past week. Can anybody remember this past week, right? So last Monday, you woke up, right? You woke up, got out of bed. I wonder, who did you see? Who did you interact with? Was it your husband, your wife, maybe your kids or a roommate? Then you didn't just go to work or school or start your work at home, if you went somewhere, you interacted with humans in every car that either passed you or cut you off or was, was uh, stopped at the green light because they were on their phone, right? Human beings in those cars. Plus, we probably all saw someone standing at one of the main intersections with a sign. And then you got to work or school. And who did you interact with this week? Think about every human being that you interacted with this week. And then what about lunch? Did you interact with waiters or waitresses or fast food people? And then what? What about the afternoon? Coffee shop? Did you go to the gym to work out? Did you go to any stores this past week? Did you interact with anybody at a grocery store, at, at a hardware store, at any kind of store whatsoever? What about the phone calls and the emails and the texts that you got and answered or didn't answer? Did you go to community group this week? Did you go to Bible study this week? What about seeing your neighbors? What about every interaction you had with your children? Every single one of them. And then what about your interaction with people on social media? The posts that you saw, the posts that you commented on, the posts that you internally reacted to. Look, if you can try to get every single interaction you had with a human in every area of your life, Jesus is addressing every one of them. 
Every one of them. And this is his question based on this command. In every single one of those interactions, did you do to that person how you would want them to do to you? Did you treat that person the way that you would want to be treated? Did you think about that person the way that you would want to be thought of? Did you speak to that person or did you speak about that person the way that you would want to be spoken about? It's stunning, isn't it? But this is indeed what Jesus is going after. This is what he is commanding and what he is inviting us to. And I think the the second part of the, the what dives into that, treating others the way that you would want to be treated yourself. It's, it's actually, I think, pretty simple and intuitive because we all know deep down how we would want to be treated in every situation. And I think if I were to categorize a few of them, I, I thought of just a few ways that we, we would hope that people would treat us or think about us or ways that we would want to be interacted with. And the first category I thought of was just kindness. Just kindness. The world is so cruel, isn't it? And the truth is we are too so often, too often towards others. And we talked about judging one another a few weeks ago. We already unearthed the reality that we we tend to give ourselves a break in our motives and intentions but then we just shred others, right? We just shred others with regard to their motives and actions. If love believes all things, if love hopes all things, if love believes the best, isn't that what you and I would want for people, from people? Just kindness. I saw an interview recently where Jason Sudeikis was interviewed about his show, Ted Lasso. You seen this show? It's become a thing, and, and he said that he was shocked at the reception of the show because he said it's a show about two things Americans hate, soccer and kindness, <laughs> right? So the thing is, is that he's wrong, at least about kindness. He might be right about soccer, but I know, I, I take that back. It's, it's really, really great. Seriously, seriously, Liverpool and Chelsea the other week, I watched the nil-nil. They played the whole game. Nobody scored. I didn't watch the whole game, but I did see the shootout at the end, which was pretty thrilling. Anyway, look it up, Google it, YouTube it. But he says his show is about kindness, and it's true. It's, it's, if you watch this show... There's something that hits very deep in the heart because I think everybody just would like to know somebody like that who is just plain kind every time, just kind. And if you watch the show, there's, there's also a part of you that just thinks, I wish I was more like that. I wish that I was more kind to people because we all long to be loved and love is patient and love is kind. If you and I would want people to be kind toward us in their thoughts of us, in their words toward us, or about us, in their actions toward us, then are we kind towards others every time? 
I think about compassion, second. Kindness, I think, is what we, we long for. Compassion is another one, and it's, it's like kindness, but I think it's different in the sense that compassion requires a kind of entering into someone else's situation, doesn't it? Where you're putting yourself in someone else's shoes. It's sympathy and even pity at times that comes from understanding at least one thing, that life is really hard, and we're all trying to do the best that we can. Don't you wish people would just understand that about you and give that to you? That, that life is hard, but God is at work for sure, and I'm doing the best that I can. It doesn't mean that we don't need to grow and change, but we don't need to be judged. And certainly when someone is trying to help get the speck out of your eye, shouldn't that begin with compassion? Because wouldn't that be what you would want for yourself? So do we begin with any interaction, with any human, add to that interaction, before it even really begins, do we add compassion to those who know the Lord and especially to those who don't know Jesus, to the arrogant jerk at work or at school who doesn't know Jesus, that just drives you crazy and tempts you to, to so much anger and bitterness, and gossip, and, and slander. Does compassion ever enter into that? That he doesn't know his right hand from his left. That he's without hope and without God in this world. What else do you expect? Or from, from the, the drama people, around you that just create and, and live in this atmosphere of drama that you're so prone to just completely avoid and be so irritated by. And yet they don't know Jesus. Does compassion ever enter your mind? Or the guy begging at the corner. I know it's a complicated issue. We all know. Is it like a scam? Is it like you're making way more money than we think? Do you, are you really, is the sign really true? Is, is helping doing more harm than good? Right? And we, all, we all interact with that, maybe in different ways. But does compassion ever enter in? Or to the, to the single mom who's, who's using her food stamps at the checkout line and got the wrong cheese? So they have to go back to the cheese aisle and you're standing there and now you're, you're, you're put off. You've got to wait a while. Maybe you're in a hurry. Does compassion ever enter your heart and mind? Or how about the, the, the single mom who's a, a waitress? She doesn't want to be doing that. You think she wants to be doing that? Maybe it's her second job or her third job. Yeah, she got your order wrong. And for sure, send it back and get it, get it right. I get it. But in every interaction with every human being, how would you want to be treated in that situation? Doesn't compassion say, man, life is really hard and we're all doing the best that we can? See, this is what Jesus is getting at. I think we all want 
kindness. We all want compassion. How about third, to be seen and heard? Isn't that what we want? Every one of us has an entire internal life. Every single one of us. An entire life that is filled with every second of your existence and with thoughts and experiences and memories and shaping influence with information and knowledge and hopes and dreams with real contributions to make. And the most destructive activity toward another human being possible is to dehumanize them. To dismiss entirely the internal existence of an image bearer of God. Look, every one of us longs to be seen and to be heard, to be taken seriously, to be listened to, to be valued, to be valuable, that your life matters and who you are matters. Look, every image bearer of God deserves this. C.S. Lewis, I've quoted this from him before. He says, and this is amazing, he says, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit, immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. This does not mean that we are to be perpetually solemn. We must play, but our merriment must be of that kind, and it is, in fact, the merriest kind, which exists between people who have, from the outset, taken each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption. I think that's an application of the golden rule. If we want to be seen and heard, do you offer the same to others? Do I? And oftentimes this looks like just simply caring about someone. And not overlooking them. Or dismissing them. Or it looks like just listening to someone. Instead of thinking about what you're going to say next while they're talking. Like blah, 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 blah. I can't wait to jump in, jump in, jump in. Now, my turn. Right? <laughs> which I'm sad to say I, I do far too often. To just be interested in that entire existence inside that person and their life and what God has been doing with them. I, I, think, I think we want people to understand us before they draw conclusions about what we're saying or doing. I think, I think we want to know that we have value. And if that's what we want, then what Jesus is saying, then give that to others. The way you would want to be treated. Now, there are so many more than, than just kindness and compassion to be seen and heard. I think we want words that build up and not words that tear down. We want patience and not anger. We want love and not hatred. We want respect and not disrespect. Look, all of you parents, your kids just want you to remember that you were a kid once too, right? And your teenagers want you to know that you were a teenager once too, right? 
Look, this is, this is what Jesus is getting at. This is the what. In all of life, in every interaction with every human you ever have, treat them the way that you would want to be treated. Because this is what the entire law and the prophets were, were going for. This kind of love your neighbor as yourself. That's what is going on here. My second question, though, is how? How in the world is this going to happen? In every interaction, front-loading every interaction you and I have with other people with a thought, how would I want to be treated or spoken of or thought of in this situation? How is that going to happen? And actually, and sadly, I actually feel like the answer is kind of like it's not, right? I mean... Because I know me, and I know us. So it's like, okay, it's not. <laughs> Worship team, come on up. We're going to sing a new song. We're the worst. And then we're going to dismiss, and then everybody try to do better, right? I mean, it's, that I honestly felt like kind of hopeless at a certain point in studying this because of the intensity of this and, and the comprehensiveness of this. And because of the depths of sin that still remain in me and us. But this isn't too rich for our blood. Like Jesus said this to us. And he knew that as he addressed believers and, and believers who for us would be born again and united to Christ and, and given and empowered with his Holy Spirit, he knew that this is indeed something that he was going to empower us to actually do. So I began to think about the gospel itself and the only hope that we have to obey the golden rule. It's, it's, it's always true that the only hope that we have is, is not in ourselves and it's not in our flesh. Therefore, it's never appropriate to just say, just go and try to do better what we need is we need power from outside of us to transform our hearts and to change us and to open our eyes. And that's exactly what the salvation that Jesus came to bring gives us. He knew that he was talking to believers. Look, we know apart from Jesus, we can do nothing, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You and I will only truly love because of the spirit of Christ in us, because of our union with Christ, the one who only ever perfectly loved everyone he came into contact with, dwells in us. He is united himself to us. And not only has he taken all of our selfishness and all of our nasty sin toward one another upon himself on the cross, every single one of those interactions that was wrong and sinful, that, that river of sin that has flowed through our lives, Jesus freely took it upon himself on the cross. He knew that about you and me. And he went to the cross and said, Father, forgive them. And he shed his blood so that we could be completely forgiven of all of our rudeness, of all of our unkindness, of all of our self-centeredness, of all of our hatred, of all of our cruelty, of all of our gossip and nasty thoughts about people. Jesus paid it all. 
We are freely forgiven. And he has filled us with his spirit. And what is the fruit of the spirit? Well, the fruit of the spirit is love. The first one. The, the, the thing that Christ is forming into us is a kind of freedom from ourselves so that we can look to others and love them with the love that we have received from Christ. Look, this is, the, this is, this is part of the how this is going to happen. This is otherworldly stuff, isn't it? That we're going to launch into a week with the Lord addressing our hearts and our lives and putting squarely into the target every interaction you have with a human this next week. Every one of them and me, right? So how in the world is it going to happen that, that somehow we have a different kind of a week? Not perfect. We're not going to be perfect. There is sin that so easily entangles us, of course. But how are, how, how are we going to treat others the way that we would want to be treated in response to today unless Jesus and his power fills us to be different than we normally are? Unless the spirit in us overcomes the flesh, that war that they battle against each other. And instead of the flesh winning out in our interactions with one another, we see the Spirit of God. Now, our only hope to even get close to doing this in the way that God intends, to treating others the way that we would want to be treated, every interaction, our, our hope is in Christ. Amen? It must, more of him and less of me has got to be the answer. And that, by the way, is theologically true. And so many times, the, the things that we're called to do as Christians have to be rooted in what Christ has done for us. We love because he first loved us, right? We love because he first loved us. Everything that we do in, in our moral lives, in, in ethics, in how we, we behave in this life as Christians, it has to be anchored to what Christ has done for us, who Christ is in us, what Christ is doing through us. It's got to be anchored in the gospel. That is theologically true. But Jesus gives us a how in, in the verse itself. And it's a surprising how. I've intentionally left out the most important word this entire time from the golden rule. And so does everybody. Because everybody who's ever memorized the golden rule and recited it doesn't say it, doesn't recite the golden rule. The most important word in the golden rule is the first word. Look at the, look at the verse again. What does your Bible say? Mine says so. The golden rule is not do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The golden rule is so do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The golden rule is not whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also for them. The golden rule is so, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them for this is the law and the prophets. And it's in that word so that Jesus teaches us how. This is going to be possible. Because so means that the golden rule is the response to something. It's the response to something that has come before. The golden rule has a therefore at the very beginning of it. 
If I got my kids and their wives together and say, guys, a Navy guy that I used to know 20 years ago made a fortune on Wall Street, and this week he sent me a check for $20 million out of his $4 billion net worth. Can you believe it? So, whatever I say after the word so is only going to make sense because of everything that I said before the word so, right? So, quit your jobs. So we don't ever have to worry about money again. So we're all pack your bags. We're going to Europe for three months. Whatever I say after the word so, it's the same kind of thing. So what did Jesus say before the word so? That's the question that we have to answer. And, and of course, in a macro sense, the entire Sermon on the Mount could come to our minds. Think about murder and anger. You don't want to be killed. You don't want to be killed. You don't want to be gone off on and yelled at. Think about lust. Would you want your wife or girlfriend or daughter or husband to be objectified and yet you're willing to look at the unclothed body of someone else? What about divorce and retaliation and dishonesty and judging and enemies? Look, Jesus says, look, your righteousness is going to far exceed the Pharisees. So do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is the law and prophets. So it certainly could be all that has come before, but there is a nearer context here. Jesus just spoke of the status that we have, the provision that we have in the gospel and through prayer. Alex preached this. Look at this again from last week. Jesus just said, he just said this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asked him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So... So, therefore, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In other words, if we have the generous and receptive heart of our Father in heaven, who is willing to provide all that we need from his hand, then what do we need from others? If our craving hearts are fully satisfied in him, then the self-centered, self-advantaging, fend-for-ourselves instinct dies. Look, when do you most purely love others? Isn't it when your your needs are all met? When you don't need anything from them? You're in a situation where, where you're full and you're, you're satisfied. And so therefore, your eyes that are off of yourself now look to others and you love and you serve great. But if your eyes are on yourself, we just learned this yesterday in grace marriage, the self trap. You got to get your, we love best when our eyes are off of ourselves and instead on others. How are we going to get our eyes off of ourselves? Jesus just told us. If you and I woke up every morning convinced and trusting that everything I need, God is going to give to me and perfectly provide for me today. Not everything that we tell him to give us, as Alex said, but everything that he in his perfect wisdom and fatherly care will give to us. 
If we are convinced of that, then you wake up and your eyes are on everybody else. You don't have to fend for yourself and fight for yourself. That perfect provision is not going to come from your husband. It's not going to come from your wife. It's not going to come from your children or from your job. Right? That's, that's the battlefield that we're in. But God, your heavenly Father, if you being evil give good gifts to your children, then how will your heavenly Father, who did not spare his only son, but gave him up for you, not also with him give you all things today? So, so go out there and treat others the way you would want to be treated. Do you see, it's, it's the self that robs the golden rule in our lives. Self, self-absorption, self-protection, self-pleasing, self-awareness, eyes on self. But what did we just sing earlier? Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free from what? Were you raising your hands and praising God for the one who set you free? Well, let's, let's put a fine point on it. He set you free from yourself. He set me free from my addiction to myself. And instead, as our Heavenly Father says, I got you. I'm the one who's perfectly caring for you. I'm the one who's perfectly providing for you every day. I am the one who sets you free so that you can now look and see and love and serve others the way that you would want to be treated. That is the power of Christ in us, and that's the how. The more that we trust in our Father, who's taking care of us, and the more we embrace the freedom that he's provided, chains, broken chains that, we were, that only turned us in on ourselves. Jesus has come to set us free, to die on the cross, and to raise again three days later so that we would have power to change the world. Look, I, I can, it wouldn't surprise you, anybody can apply the golden rule. It's a famous ethic. I said it before, most religions have a version of it, most Philosophy textbooks will draw attention to it. Most ethics manuals will draw attention to it. It's just a solid rule for life. So you don't have to be a believer to apply it. Which means that, that as we close, I could certainly say to everyone here, look, let's just be honest, you are not doing this. You're not. The truth is, you do not treat people well. All people. You don't. And I don't. And to, to any, any unbeliever here, I could say, so go and do better. Because it's going to be better for you. It's going to be better for people around you. It's going to be better for the world. But to every believer here, Jesus isn't saying, just go and do better. Jesus is ultimately saying in this sermon, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. Go back to the very beginning. Our identity in Christ because of, of who he is and who the blessed really are. Look, we can all 
experience the sweet conviction of the Spirit that indeed we, we are awful toward each other. And some worse than others, some people in our lives get, get the worst of that from us than others. It's true. Like in how many, if you think about the last week and all of those interactions, in how many of them did you treat somebody the way that, that you would want to be treated? I'm not going to say go and do better because Jesus would say, brothers and sisters, that's not who you are. It's not who you are. You're a new creation in Christ. You've been indwelt with the Holy Spirit who is love. You are a child of God who is perfectly caring for you. You are part of the kingdom of heaven that has broken into this evil and cruel world and is transforming it. And one day in a new heavens and a new earth, that's the only way that you'll interact with one another is perfectly in perfect love. So that has begun now in Christ and the kingdom that has broken into this world. You're a part of that. And, and brothers and sisters, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and come to Christ who has the power to change selfish, cruel, nasty people like me into those who, who can think to care about somebody and can think about how I would want to be treated and then have power to treat them in that way. This is love. This is the love that Christ is calling us to. He's calling us not to just go and do better. He's calling us to be who we are, to be who we are. Brothers and sisters, don't hide the light of Christ that is inside you by your cruelty, by your unkindness, by your uncharitable thoughts towards others, by your meanness, by your anger and explosive words. Don't hide the light of Christ. Be who we are. Let the light of Christ and the love of Christ shine from us, right? This is what Jesus is calling us to, and not just calling us to and inviting us to, but this is what he's doing. He's conforming us more and more into his image. Now, of course, we're not going to be, we're, there's sin that so easily entangles us, which is so great that this, this wonderful gift of repentance and forgiveness and just confessing that to the Lord and maybe to somebody that you've mistreated. Wait, time out. I'm so sorry. That's not me. I'm so sorry for how I just spoke to you or treated you. I, that was wrong. Please forgive me. And in that moment, the grace of God and the power, the cleansing of his blood, and the, the new starts, the righteous man falls seven times, but gets up again and again. How many times should we forgive? Seven times? No. Again and again and again, we're forgiven every time we sin. But brothers and sisters, what, what an invitation we have from Christ to see his power not only transform our lives, but to put the, like imagine the people at your work just saying, what is it about you? Ted Lasso is the most famous person in the world right now for kindness. And it's a goofy comedy surrounding a wonderful sport. Right? <laughs> Who in your office is famous for kindness and compassion 
and seeing and hearing people instead of just looking through them and seeing them as props or ways to advantage myself to get where I'm going. Look, this is a powerful invitation for us, isn't it? Are you convicted? I am like crazy, but are you encouraged? Because we need to leave encouraged that Jesus, he's speaking these things into our hearts so that they will be by the power of his spirit. So let's be who we are as we go. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I, I, I pray that you would cleanse us. Lord, we, we repent. Lord, I repent of so many ways that I have just ignored this verse in my life and have become comfortable with unrighteous interactions with others. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me. I ask that you would forgive us, that you would cleanse us. But I pray that that you by your power would help us or that we, that we could grow, Lord, oh, that we could grow in this. But I pray that you would remind us that, that before any interaction we have with something, something should come to mind. That it's not just interacting with people, but that you want something to come to our mind, and that is how would I want to be treated here? Or we need your grace and your spirit to bring that to our minds as we seek to apply this to our lives and the, the, the paths of our lives this Monday when we wake up. So Lord, lead us. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of our lives. You're worthy of our obedience. But, but you're worthy to be seen in us through your, your love. Lord, we do want to love because you first loved us. Lord, we want to be confident and, tr and trust that every day you care for us perfectly, which releases us and sets us free. And Jesus, we want your name to be glorified. That's the why. That your, your name would be glorified. That your light would shine. We pray that you would do all this. In Jesus' name, amen.